You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Prisons have become hotbeds for COVID-19, with over 57,000 cases recorded since March. Cramped conditions and limited access to soap and masks, as well as overtaxed medical facilities, have left the incarcerated vulnerable. In this segment, artist and activist Common joins the Washington Post to talk about his efforts to increase awareness around prison reform. Let's listen. Good afternoon, I'm Michelle Norris, and I am so honored to introduce our first guest this afternoon. You will know him as an Academy Award, Golden Globe, Emmy, and Grammy Award winner. He's also the founder of the criminal justice reform nonprofit called Imagine Justice. I'm talking about the artist, actor, author, and activist who goes by one name, and that one name is Common. So glad to have you with us today. Peace, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Great day to you. You too. You too. Good to be seen. Um, and good to be here to talk about such an important topic. How did you get so closely involved in prison reform? It's so close to your heart. You spend so much time on this issue. How did that happen? Well, I was initially just really and still am concerned with our inner city and our youth and what's going on with them. And I I really have been working on programs to, to change the situations for young people in the inner city to create programs and things that would benefit them. Um, I was doing a documentary and I had a conversation with Michelle Alexander who wrote the book, The New Jim Crow. And this is a phenomenal book which ties, um, you know, how from slavery to the reconstruction era to Jim Crow, and now mass incarceration has been a way to keep black and black people as second-class citizens. Um, it's a new form of slavery in many ways. Um, we look at the prison system and when she broke down to me in our conversation, how it was really affecting people outside of prison too, it really struck, it struck a light in me. It struck a nerve. And I had been rapping about situations dealing with prison, like the song I did for, um, for Ava DuVernay's film, 13th. But I hadn't been as active as I should be. And, you know, when that spark went off, I, I, I met Scott Butnick, who was, this, who was this incredible human being who, who would consistently come to me and, say, and said, hey, you should come to um, some, some of these um, retreats that we have with formerly incarcerated people just and, and support some of these youth groups. But my heart wasn't there yet. But after this conversation and really understanding how much we overlook our incarcerated people, I just connected with Scott and from there it's been, it's been full on, like just committing to really changing this criminal justice system, going into prisons. Um, it, we went to so many prisons in California, meeting women and men, um, and just really actually doing things to get the laws changed, which we, we, we've accomplished also. So, um, I mean, I'm really, I'm really passionate about this. I feel like the way our society looks at those who are who are overlooked or the way we treat those in prison is the way we actually treat ourselves. And I think it's important that we know that people incarcerated are affecting our lives too, and they are human beings also. You know, I wish Michelle, Michelle Alexander was watching this today because she would love to know that you had an epiphany based on her book, The New Jim Crow. Books can change lives. And you've talked about how you you are changing laws 
through your work, actually becoming proximate to people who have been sent away from the rest of society and making sure that we don't forget about them and that we don't forget about the conditions that they live under. You've had a particular focus on juvenile justice. Can you tell us why that is so important? Well, I mean, I just think like, I, when you're young and, and, and you, you are in a difficult situation, it's hard to make good choices. It's hard for us as adults sometimes. And I look at um, what the criminal justice system has done to young people. Like I met people who were, who were incarcerated when they were like 15 and 16 and now, and they were doing life without parole. But some crimes that weren't violent, and even the ones that were, it's like when I thought about like the way I thought as a as a teenager, and some of the choices that I made that that weren't good decisions, I, I looked and said, "Man, we have to like give our young people better opportunities to to live and correct themselves and be forgiven, and human beings in general." This that's what this this country was, you know. One of that's one of the things that it was sold on is like this a country that that does deal with a forgiveness and a second chance. So for me, I just was, you know, I seen people that could be my my children in in prison and being treated like less than human beings, and I just can't help but think about really creating opportunities for them because for me, it, the reason why I was able to pursue my goals and dreams is because I saw some value in myself. And that's really what we want to do with those young people who are incarcerated and, and actually everybody, woman and man is incarcerated. We want them to know they are valued and they are loved. So that's what that's what's taking place. I've met some incredible young individuals, great writers, great thinkers, talented young young men um, who who really like to come out to society and really contribute. So I, I really believe that our, our criminal justice system has to be one of healing, has to be one of um, re reform and, and redemption. So um, that's why I've been focusing on our young people. I wanna bring in an, a question from an audience member. His name is Lee McAuliffe. He lives in Florida and he's, he's interested in the juvenile justice system and wants to know about the challenges and needs that they face and how that's different um, from incarcerated adults. Uh, the difference in, in needs in terms of what adults need and what children need. I'm going to add this question and also include women in that also and how, um, you know, the question of whether their needs are different, both in terms of living behind bars and also when they integrate back into society. Well, I think with young people, like what I've noticed is that they, they need ways of expression to like, whether it's art programs, they need like, academic programs, they, they need mental health and wellness programs. Um, I'm an advocate for everything from meditation to yoga, to, and I love this spirituality. I've met some great like um, spiritual leaders who've been in, in prisons and really helped turn people's lives around. So I feel that from my observation, the young people have, have needed to know that they can that they can have that access to those things and those things start building their self-esteem and their self-worth. Um, I feel, to be honest, a lot of it is similar with women too. Like the, the women obviously in certain ways also need, uh, what I've experienced with, with the women that I've met in prison who were incarcerated, that they needed like to, their families to come and show up. I, I talked to a lot of women who, whose children eventually didn't, you know, come to see them. So I guess to translate that into what we can do, 
we have to humanize the person incarcerated and and that and women have to be and we have to make sure that we when we talk about criminal justice and changing changing the system that we don't leave women out of this equation and 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 really pay attention to to their needs which a lot of it definitely does also have to do with with therapy like i've sat in sessions in men's prisons women's prisons and juvenile juvenile um um locations where uh, and each one some of the most beneficial things i seen was just sitting in a circle with therapists and with individuals and everybody just opening up i feel that the women also need that um and yo those are those are some of the, the things that's been most important and programs like programs that, that deal with with creativity art um finding a trade i've met shout out to charles charles alexander um who i met an individual who when i first first prison i went into he was coding and you know he I, I, this this guy been through a lot abuse and everything eventually he um coded learned coding in prison eventually now he's out of prison and working um in in the tech world and i'm very proud of him and my point is he was given and he came in as a youth but he was given something that was that, that he could value there's something that he could pursue the same way our kids needed in 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 our environments in the inner cities is they they need to know like hey i can do something with myself i have a dream or let me let, let's introduce them to new things to to like whether it may be dealing with architect like engineering coding all those things especially knowing that we know how the tech world is is valuable out there now it's like we got to give that to, to those that are incarcerated also how important is it for people who are incarcerated to remain connected to the outside world if you have a family member a community member a loved one in prison it's hard to maintain that connection it's hard sometimes to get to the prison visiting hours are limited I don't know if you ever heard of Marcus Bullock and the app that he created called Flick Shop, which allows people to easily send letters or postcards. I mean, how important is that? Is that kind of thing? So you know that someone is out there thinking about you and perhaps help wait, waiting to help you when you when you return to your community. Michelle, that's I, I believe that's one of the most significant things that is needed for those who are incarcerated. As I just spoke about with the women, they needed to know, but men and women needed to know that they were cared about from family members um, reaching out to them to friends and loved ones and i have to acknowledge myself i had a, um, a cousin who was incarcerated and i was going to prisons to to visit people who i didn't know and going to like encourage them and i hadn't visited my my cousin it made me look at myself in the mirror and say why haven't i why haven't i made that effort um and i think it's something that we that we as People who are in the free world and in society really have to dig deep and think about how do we go beyond just our comfort levels, go, go, and, and, and as you said, get proximate, as the great Brian Stevenson uses that word very much, go get proximate with, with individuals who are incarcerated. Me going to the prisons, let me see that these individuals I met, people who had committed murder, were still a human being. And they and they deserve the chance for redemption and forgiveness. And I've met many people who, for me, have been some of the most intelligent, most enlightened people who had also been serving life sentences for murder. And I and I just it made me understand that like 
if we can just reach out to them, we can heal. And part of healing this country is healing those that are incarcerated. And, and if we reach out to them, just extend our hands towards those individuals. It's so necessary for them. anybody that has a family member, friend, and you forgot about them and you haven't made time, please take time when, when, the, when the opportunity is there to go and, and support them. And that's one of, you know, one of the biggest things that I remember um, a brother named Chris said to, to me that, and from either Lancaster prison or Ironwood, he said, um, comment, imagine being trapped in one act for the rest of your life, one act for the rest of your life. And I thought about that and I was like, I wouldn't, if I got trapped in my, my worst act for the rest of my life and that's all I was deemed as is that person, I wouldn't be pursuing the things that I'm doing now. I wouldn't be able to, to live a, 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 a happy, a, a beautiful life, to be able to spread love. So um, it's, it's essential for us to go into visit our loved ones, show them love, write letters. Um, they, just need to, they, just, they just need to be acknowledged and heard. Like that, that's it, and, and recognized and cared for. You know, we are living in interesting times, and that's an understatement. We have protests like we have never seen on top of a pandemic, inside an economic disaster with an upcoming election. And prison reform is touched on by all of those things, um, particularly COVID-19 and the novel coronavirus. Um, 100,000 people have been released from prison since the pandemic hit. And that raises questions about our prison system and whether we're sending too many people for light offenses um, to federal prisons. Is there, is there a moment in what we're learning about how people are being released because of COVID that will allow us to look at prison reform in a slightly different way? And I guess the second question is the reckoning that we're all seeing right now. Do you think that this feels like a real movement or does it, does, or do you worry that it might be fleeting and that it might be more of a moment instead of a Well, I think th this, this moment of, of seeing people being released from prison and, you know, crime hasn't jumped up. Um, you know, the world hasn't turned around anymore because people who were incarcerated got, got out. Um, it lets you know that there are hundreds of thousands of human beings that deserve to be back in society. And our criminal justice system, the prison system has to be that thorough enough to assess and, and that caring enough to assess and say, these individuals have committed crimes. They've, they've served their time. They deserve to be back in society. And we can get them back to, into society in a healthy way because throughout the prison, throughout their prison term, they've been treated well. They've been treated like human beings. They've actually grown and, and now can come back into society. We have programs like ARC that can help them transition to, to live a good whole life. So this, I mean, when you think about the fact that it's people like locked up doing heavy years for marijuana, which is now, you know, a legal thing that, you know, people are investing in. And we, and you know, I've met people who didn't touch a, a weapon, was serving six life sentences, six life sentences, didn't touch a weapon. At a certain point, like you got, you have to, like it has to be a, a cognitive like process that 
that where you see individuals improve themselves and, and now they can come back to society. So that reckoning, we, we see an example of this right now. We see an example of it. And this moment, this moment of, of America really having to deal with itself and deal with its with the ills that is done to, to black people um, is really letting us see that this prison system is one of the biggest failures that has happened to black and brown people especially. But I just look at it too as poor people. Um, and that being said, it's, it's, it's people that are incarcerated now just because they didn't have the money to, to get a good attorney. It's people that, that are incarcerated because of the environments that they grew up in and didn't, like they had no outlets. I've met an individual that was, that was sexually abused. He, he was able to trace that sexual abuse into why he got into violence. He got into violence and, di and didn't recognize until prison that he didn't know how to deal with the sexual abuse he had as, as a five-year-old. These are things that like, when I talk about, when I look, when I use the word healing, that's what I'm talking about. And I feel that our country, we're not gonna stop. I don't think that people are just at this moment and like, okay, as soon as we, you know, as soon as we can go to a the new way of living, we're gonna forget what's happening. You can't forget. You can't forget. And so many things are already moving. It's organizations that have already been at this work that are now being highlighted in strong ways, and they will continue to work. And I believe so many more people are feeling responsible. White people that have called me and said, what can I do? That's not gonna stop. Like that's my, the, the black people who've continuously been out there, the Latino people and the Asian people who have been out supporting, it's not gonna stop. It's not gonna stop. I, I truly believe this has been one of the greatest turning points in our country. Um, and as and heavy as it's been, it's been inspirational too, to see so many people coming together for, for humanity, for black people, Understanding that that yes, these this race of people are valuable to society, and we and we do obviously matter. But not only not only do we matter, but we benefit society by by having equality and by having opportunities. So this prison system is is a shining light right now on that situation, and I think that we are going to get past it because so many people see the injustice that is happening with prison system. And, and obviously with the police um, departments. I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately this has to be my last question. In, in times of tumult, the arts help us cope. They help us get through these moments, but they also provide a window years from now that'll help us understand this. We saw that in the, the art, the music, the film, um, the dance that came out of the 1970s. We saw it in the, the Harlem Renaissance that followed um, the, the Great Depression and the, and the war. Uh, right now as an artist, and we should know you have run, as I noted at the beginning, a Grammy, uh, an Academy Award, uh, and an Emmy. There are only a few people who are EGOTs, who I think it's 15, who have you know those three things plus the Tony. So your group yeah. is called Imagine Justice. That, that sounds like that might be a Broadway play also. So I'm, I'm wondering if you have that in your future, if you're like spinning bars right now, thinking about the um, Broadway production, when the lights come back on Broadway that you might be able to serve up to the world. You know, Michelle, what's so ironic about the talk we have and you bringing that up is I actually was 
slated to do a play um, in, in in the fall before, you know, the pandemic happened, which was dealing with those who were formerly incarcerated. And um, Wait, this coming fall? Yes. It, I mean, it's not going to happen now, obviously, because because of Broadway, but we will do it at some point. I was, I'm an actor in the play. Um, it's a beautiful play and I'm really looking forward to it. And, and that being said, art storytelling has a way to touch people's hearts in ways that some, you know, that the news doesn't, that, that certain, um, you know, just talks even sometimes don't, but, but, but I feel like the art is really a storytelling is a way to where, where a person can can receive like entertainment on certain levels, um, transformation on certain levels, and inspiration um, and, and healing. And I and I'm a true believer in the art is something that that provides all those things. Um, I went into to at least ten prisons in the state of California and performed, and I had individuals come up. First of all, the the men and women who helped, they, the men like helped on, on the production of setting up our stages. We did a full on concert. Like it was, as Scott says, like it was Coachella. It was just like, it just, and, and the way the music brought light out of all the individuals who were incarcerated. I had people come up to me who said, I never been to a concert before. Um, thank you. I had people come up and say, man, I forgot I was in prison for you know for this hour and 20 minutes and it just let me know the power of art and what it can do to actually bring us all together what it can do to heal us what it can do to inform us i learned so much through through hip-hop culture through jazz music through storytelling and films and, and reading great literature i learned so much about myself other cultures other people through art and um i really feel like the artists are gonna we're gonna have to really be live by the mantra of Nina Simone and reflect the times right now and be very um, informative and still make it creative and fresh so people can enjoy it. Um, and, and at the same token, spread that love like that, that music, film, theater, visual arts, photography, when you put love into it, 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 it transforms into all individuals who, who witness it. And no matter what color, what party, you know, you from or what part of the world you're in, you still feel that love. So that's where art will be. Like, I feel like it's a, it's one of the leading components towards this change and I've seen it happen. It's been so good to talk to you. Thank you for all the work you do with Imagine Justice. Thank you for the light you bring into the world. And whenever Broadway reopens, I'll be in the audience and I'm looking forward to seeing that play. Thank, thank you very you, thank much. Thank you. Appreciate you. Love. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.